0: I haven't told my wife this yet, but I'm ready to move, and I am dissatisfied with where we're at. On any given day, I could list for you a dozen reasons of things that are wrong with our house, things that are wrong with Rockford, things that are wrong with, the United, with Illinois, and with the United States, I am ready to go somewhere else. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm preaching backwards that uh, this part that I'm starting with is the end, and hopefully by the time I'm done, I'll get started. You see, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer describes several people who spoke in a way that made it clear that they were seeking a homeland, a different place. And it says there in verse 16, as it is, they, were, d- they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city that's what I'm looking for I am longing for a better country how many of you are longing for a better country it is the very purpose for which God has made us it is the great desire of my life one day I'm going to be a citizen of that city that God is preparing for me. By grace through faith in Jesus Christ, I have God's promise, and I'm here this morning to celebrate that and to practice for the day that I start my eternity in the presence of God as He dwells among people. And I am here because of that conviction. I'm here because someone else had that conviction before me. And passed it along. And the same, by the way, is true for you no matter who you are this morning. You are here only because someone in the past had faith and passed it along to you. You realize that the church is one generation away from extinction, that has always been true. And there is a good reason to give attention to children's ministry and to youth ministry to the next generation. There's good reason to have that as a part of our three-year strategic thrive plan, tapping heaven's resources to ignite vital expansion. Next generation. Paul knew it in his time. And as he wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, To a young preacher named Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he instructed him, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Roughly paraphrased, pass along your faith. Instill it into the next generation. Because you're not always going to be around, are you? And so just as Jesus commissioned the apostles to carry on his work, Paul commissioned others to take over his work for when he was gone. And in his last letter, we have, before he was executed under Nero, we have this strong glimpse of Paul's effort to reproduce himself in a younger person named Timothy. The principle at work there is so blatant. This principle that Paul gave when he said, this thing that you've seen in me, give it to others so that they can give it to others, that is so blatant. That when in the church, someone who is a part of the church family grows up and then goes away to minister to someone else, we call that person a Timothy of the church. Timothy's. I know it's Mother's Day. Bear with me. Remember, I'm preaching backwards today, all right? But first, we need to review something about this young man. Most of what we know about him comes from the hand of Paul. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says about Timothy, That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, To remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. In these two letters that he writes to Timothy, in the first chapter, in the second verse, we read these words, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. In the second letter, to Timothy, my beloved child. Paul knew a lot of people. Paul knew hundreds of people. In fact, if you go to the last chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, from his travels, he says in Romans 16, hi, to no less than 25 different people by name in Rome. But Timothy stands out as someone different, someone who's even more important to Paul. And so it's really significant in Philippians 2 when he says these words, verse 20, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, He has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. So here's this young man, Timothy. He is a man of outstanding character. And by the way, character like that in a young man doesn't happen by accident. You have heard that behind every successful man is a great woman and a surprised (laughs) mother-in-law. Behind every outstanding young man, there is something. At the beginning of 1 Timothy, Paul urges him to remain on in Ephesus, help the church grow, be strong. That is a tall order for a young man. Paul has to remind Timothy, don't let people look down on you, Timothy, just because you're young. Don't be timid. Don't forget the gifts that have been given to you, the work that you have to do. Paul had invested three years of his life into that church at Ephesus. They were near to his heart. He didn't want to leave their care up to just anyone. And so obviously, as Paul left Timothy in Ephesus to help the church there, he knew that the church was going to be in good hands. And then 2 Timothy, Paul's last letter, he's urging Timothy now to hurry and to come visit him before it's too late. How is it that Paul grew to love this young man and trust him so much? Well, let's keep going backwards, all right? Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Paul has gone out on a second missionary journey with a different traveling companion. He arrives at the cities of Lystra and Derbe, where he had established a church three years before, and the believers in the church at Lystra speak well of this young man who lives there, Timothy. Timothy joins and begins to travel with Paul. We know that Timothy traveled to places like Berea, Macedonia, Corinth, Troas, Thessalonica, Ephesus. We learn in Hebrews 13, by the way, that Timothy's travels and Timothy's work landed him in prison too. Just like Paul. Chapter 13, verse 23, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released. (laughs) with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. No wonder Paul said about this young man, there is no one quite like Timothy. He's this motivating story of someone who met Jesus, who grew into a wonderful servant for him. And I want to ask a question about Timothy this morning. What explains someone like that? Whatever it was, whatever it was that made Timothy into what he became, I'd like to get some of that, wouldn't you? We can almost always point to mentors, coaches, teachers who help somebody grow. In fact, here's something I want to do this morning right now, all right? If you are a Christian this morning, if you're already a believer in Christ, I'd like you to turn to somebody near you and just name to them one or two people who influenced your life so that you became a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, get those people in your mind. Or uh, if you're not yet a Christian, then just name one or two people who have strongly impacted your life in a positive way. All right? Maybe somebody who influenced you being here this morning. I'd call that a positive thing. All right? But just let's take a minute. Yeah, this is get up and, and do this. All right? Talk to somebody near you. Name one or two people who impacted your decision to become a follower of Jesus or someone who has influenced your life in a very positive way, okay? Take just a moment and do that. You can get up and do that. You'll need to get up, some of you. Okay. It wasn't hard for the people I just spoke to to say, here are some people. All right. Was there anybody, in fact, who just couldn't think of one person who has had a positive impact in your life to help you become who you are today? Anybody who just couldn't think of somebody? We've all got that. I could list to you, in fact, several people who were important, who shaped my life over the years, professors and teachers, ministers, missionaries, friends, family members, other people, and each one of them made a mark on me. And in fact, if you knew them, a careful observer could see that mark in me that was put there by the people who impacted me. And you know what? I am thankful for those people. How about you in your life? Paul was that kind of a person to Timothy. No doubt as he spent time with Paul, working alongside Paul, traveling all over the Roman Empire, the first century, Paul was helping this young man to grow. He'd given him some special gift from God. Uh, you can see that in verse 6 of this text we're looking at today in 2 Timothy. And When you read 1 and 2 Timothy, you're reading Paul's letters written to this young man, often speaking to him about his personal growth in Jesus Christ. Timothy was growing. He grew. He became a great champion of the faith. But you know what? Before Paul was there, before Paul was impacting him in his life, there was another. There was a mentor. There was a guide, a teacher in his life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Paul says he remembers how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Somewhere back there in his earliest years from childhood, Timothy had a teacher. Her name was, we know, Eunice. And before that faith lived in Timothy, that faith lived in a woman that he knew as... Drum roll. Mom! Our knowledge of Eunice is really limited. We know only that she had been a Jew, that she had married a non-Jew, that she had come to faith in Jesus Christ, and that she had passed that unhypocritical faith along to her son Timothy, Eunice. But before her, there was another Before that faith came to rest and grow in Eunice, it lived in another person that Eunice knew as mom. Timothy would have known her as his mame. That's the Greek word for grandma, by the way. Her name was Lois. And we know even less about Lois, only that she had unhypocritical faith in God and that it was passed along to her daughter, who in turn passed it along to her son. Remember what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also? That wasn't a new concept to Timothy when Paul wrote that to him. He had seen it lived out in his home for two generations now. Every person of faith needs to pause and reflect on that. The reason that you and I are able to believe today, the reason we are able to believe is because of the faithful people before us. So look at Paul's first words in 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There are some simple principles that were at work in the life of Timothy that I just want us to leave with this morning. And yes, they've got a lot to do with mothers, and they're not limited to mothers, So if you ever had a mother, this applies to you today. If you are a mother, this applies to you. And if you're not, this applies to you. First one is this. Have you picked up on it? Faith is meant to be passed along. Passing along our faith is the heartbeat of the church. In fact, it's what we do. It is the first and most important place we do that at home. And I'm convinced that the frontline agent of this job is moms. Now, could we just say that out loud again today? That what's going on between moms and their kids is some of the most important activity that takes place in the world today. That's not an exaggeration. G.K. Chesterton asked this, Can anyone tell me two things more vital to the race than these? What man shall marry what woman and what shall be the first things taught to their first child? The natural operation surrounded her with very young children who require to be taught not so much anything but everything. Babies need not to be taught a trade, but to be introduced to a world. To put the matter shortly, a woman is generally shut up in a house with a human being at the time when he asks all the questions that there are and some that there aren't. How can it be an important career to tell other people's children about mathematics and a small career to tell one's own children about the universe? A woman's function is laborious, not because it is minute, but because it is gigantic. I will pity Mrs. Jones for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. Well put. He said this, by the way, over 100 years ago. And obviously, moms, the questions and the challenges that often chase after you are not all brand new things. Yes, your task can be huge. A woman was asked if you had it to do all over again, would you have children? Her answer yes, just not the same ones. <laughs> Some days, maybe. You feel that way, ladies? Calvin and Hobbes, by the way, Calvin is walking by his mom. He says, hi, it's me, your big accomplishment in life. And in the next panel, you see his mom on the couch saying, I'm depressed. (laughs) I ran across this list of the top 10 things moms really want for Mother's Day. All right? case you haven't taken care of it yet here you go starting with number 10 10 is to be able to eat a whole candy bar alone and drink a coke without any floaters <laughs> number nine to have a 14 year old answer question without rolling her eyes and that why is this person my mother way number eight five pounds of chocolate that won't add 20 Number seven, a shower without a child peeking through the curtain with a, hiya, mom, just as I put a razor to my ankle. (laughs) Number six, a full-time cleaning person who looks like Brad Pitt. Number five, I didn't write these, by the way. Number five, for a teenager to announce, hey, mom, I got a full scholarship and a job all in the same day. Number four, a grocery store that doesn't have candy gum and cheap toys displayed at the checkout line. Number three, to have a family meal without a discussion about bodily secretions. That will never happen. Number two, to be able to step on a plane with toddlers and not have some pencil neck yuppie geek moan, oh no, why me? And number four, or number one, four words, Fisher Price Play Prison. Again, I did not write these. All right, now this is all meant to be in fun, but it is most likely written by a mom, a mom whose job at home sometimes seems to get lost in the crumbs and the ouchies and the TV that's on too loud. So moms, I want you please this morning, if you're a mom with kids at home, please don't fail to see what a significant role you're playing in the future of the world. I don't think we can emphasize that too much. Billy Graham said, Children will invariably talk, eat, walk, think, respond, and act like their parents. Give them a target to shoot at. Give them a goal to work toward. Give them a pattern that they can see clearly. And give them something that gold and silver cannot buy. Faith is meant to be passed along. Fail at this and we die. Fail to instill faith in Jesus for one generation, and the church is downstream belly up. Here's a second thing I'd like us to get on today, and that is that moms are in the greatest position to pass that along. Faith is meant to be passed along. Moms are in the greatest position to get that done. Our current age is the age of specialization, and you know, in some ways, that's really good. A specialist can deal with a specific issue where you need help. So if you got a foot problem, you go to the podiatrist. That's the guy, the lady, who specializes in feet. If you've got a back problem, you go to the back specialist. I don't know if that's backologist or what you call that person, but that person is a specialist and takes care of a back problem. The downside of it is when we apply what ought to be happening in our homes in that way. Because in some ways, it's easy to begin to treat the church like a specialist. So if our kids need to hear Bible stories, we let the specialists Handle it. If you want the kids to stay pure, you leave that to the specialists. Moms, I want to tell you this morning, there is no one in the world who has the potential or the position of influence that you can have in your children's lives. You are the specialist, unlike anybody else. I love the article that Boyce Moten wrote as a tribute to his mother, It was in the newsletter of the Carl Junction Christian Church a few years ago. I saved it. Boyce called it a tribute to my mother. He said, Though we were poor by contrast with modern children, I was raised in the lap of luxury. I was blessed to have a mother whose main ambition in life was to raise her family. During my childhood years, I had no interest in shiny new cars and plush carpet. I wanted my mother. I needed my mother more than I needed a babysitter or a nursery school attendant. So my heart bleeds for the millions of modern children who have never tasted homemade bread or smelled the aroma of mother's hot rolls on the evening breeze. The real luxuries of life are not to be found in mass-produced items stamped out by a machine or dropped in a huge box at the end of an assembly line. The real luxuries are the custom-made specialty items made to order for each customer. So in this regard, I was raised in the lap of luxury. My meals were prepared by my own personal connoisseur of gourmet delights. I was diapered and dandled by my own personal doctor and diagnostician. I was the recipient of perpetual maid service. I had my own personal tailor who made, altered, and repaired my clothing. I had my own personal tutor who read me stories at bedtime. When I went downtown, I was accompanied by my own personal chauffeur and bodyguard. When I was lonely or afraid, I would cling to the apron strings of my own special companion and counselor. The fact that all these important functions were performed by only one mother does not diminish from their significance. It gave to me a measure of confidence and security that I probably could not have attained in any other way. I don't want to discredit anyone else's role in helping develop faith and godly character in children. Some of you named people who did that in your life. There are plenty of other good influences. I know that. I just happen to observe that mothers are in the position to have the very first and the very greatest impact in a child's life. Don't leave that up to someone else. Moms, take this blessing that God has entrusted to you and pass along your faith in Jesus as the first and most important thing that you can teach your children. Read them Bible stories before they can understand them. Teach them to pray before they can quite speak. Model genuine faith for them every day at home. Let's not lose that opportunity. Now, this applies to all of us. There are obviously these principles that apply to moms, and so moms, consider this a public confession today from the front. We need you. We need you. Amen? Amen. You're not replaceable. As much as the culture tries to say that your name isn't even mom, you're not replaceable. There was some years back an orphaned, hippo in Kenya, Africa, who adopted a fill-in mommy. The hippo's name is Owen. He lost his family to the waters of the tsunami in 2004. Owen was rescued, and when he was, he was brought to a compound, and he immediately ran and hid behind a 130-year-old tortoise who lives there. His name was Maisie. And they developed an interesting relationship. Books were written about them. Owen accepted this old tortoise as the replacement for his mother. And that's cute and everything. And that might work to some extent in the animal world, but moms, there's not a substitute for you. In fact, Owen, after a couple of years, had to be steered away from Maisie because Owen kept getting bigger. And posed a problem and a threat to the old tortoise. Someone has said that the easiest part of being a mother is giving birth. The hard part is showing up each day. So moms, thanks for showing up even when you don't feel like it. So to the rest of us dads and Kids and grandparents and widows and widowers and single guys and single ladies. If the things that we have been looking at are true, and they are, then we all have an obligation not just to moms, but we have an obligation to motherhood itself, don't we? And I hope that as we have been going through these things, that's heightened your awareness of the importance of these ladies who are moms. For one thing, they need our help. They need our encouragement. They need someone to come alongside them when they're about to fall over and prop them up. What does that mean? Well, if you're a kid this morning, it means that you need to thank your mom for what she's doing, better than the Calvin and Hobbes model. You need to respect your authority. You need to appreciate what she has invested in you. If you're a husband this morning, it means that you need not to act like you're the only one working for your home. Some days if she looks run down, it's quite possibly because she is. Maybe she needs a Calgon moment. Remember those? Ask someone younger or older. Or maybe uh, she needs you to offer to fix supper at Chipotle or whatever. Let's be honest with her, guys. We couldn't do what she does either, could we? I want to also suggest as this big family that we call the church that we need to work at being sensitive to the work of mothers. It's too easy to forget what it was like, isn't it? It's easy to forget those late-night feedings, fits in the grocery store, teenage crises. Isn't it easy to forget those things? You try to forget them. Moms don't need our snootiness or our indignation when they're struggling with the challenges of being a mom. So an offer to help, a word of encouragement, a smile of understanding, those all make a lot more sense in the household of God, don't they? Try that. That's something all of us can engage in. And that's what the rest of us can do if we really agree that this thing, motherhood, is vital. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Moms, that's what you're doing. We're here this morning because somebody passed along their faith. Many of those people were faithful mothers. Will that be you? And then there's the way that this thing applies to all of us. Entrust that faith to others who will be there to teach others. Today, the, the invitation is a little bit different. We always want to encourage people to accept Jesus Christ. He is our reason for being here. He is the object of that faith that has been passed along to us by some faithful people. And we want for you to have him as Lord this morning. We want to pass that faith along to you. But I also want to give a special challenges. To moms that are here this morning to commit yourselves to being Lois's and Eunice's. To be devoted to passing along your faith to the people of your own household first and foremost. So we've all got some things to do when we say amen today, right? We've got something to do. If you're here and not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, we hope that you'll hear how important this thing is of passing along our faith. And I hope that you'll understand that that's a lot of what we do, is we're conscious that you're here, we are conscious maybe that you're watching this online, and we want you to be able to understand what it means to follow Jesus. No single decision that you make today is more important than what you'll do with Jesus Christ so if that's you this morning, and you understand, hey, there's something for me now to do, a step I need to take, yes, there is. We would love to get together with you and to speak to you from God's word about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. All the people who have already made that decision, it's not like, okay, got that done, just go on. But everybody that's made that decision, we've got things to do, too, don't we? We've got growth to do. We've got people to to reach. We've got those that we're praying for. We've got areas of our life that need to be sharpened up and straightened out. And we're still in that process. So today, I want you, along with me, to consider uh, who it is that we're going to entrust this faith to. Who it is we're going to be helping to be a faithful person so that they'll pass it along to others also. I'm going to ask you please to stand up with me. Let's pray as we get ready to decide what we're going to do with God's word. Father, we stand before you today because there have been in our lives faithful people who passed along this faith. And before them, Lord, there were others. We're conscious this morning of how important it is that we take seriously what it means to bring the next generation close to you. So Lord, I pray that you'll give us a a deepened resolve today, whether mothers or others who are here, as we stand before you, that it won't be because of our generation that there were some who never heard or some who were supposed to but weren't introduced to Jesus. Father, help us to see the opportunities that you've given us to do that very thing. Lord, we we pray this morning for anyone who has opened up your word along with us and and looked and hasn't yet made the choice to have Jesus be Lord in their life. God, I pray that uh, this will be the day that decisions are made for you. Life-changing, life-giving decisions. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.